Hello, and welcome to Orchid Story, a podcast for women who have experienced a big event in their lives that divided it into the before and after. I'm Rachel Nussbaum, and I'm here to help you find meaning and healing through personal narrative now that your life looks different than the one you expected. I'm sharing stories from real life. The details may be different from your story, but the connection is universal. Hi, friends. Welcome or welcome back to the Orchid Story podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is the place where we believe in finding healing through personal narrative and personal stories. I am excited to be back with you for a solo episode after two weeks of interviews. If you have not heard those interviews, make sure you go listen. I've gotten a ton of great feedback on both of them. It's really a joy for me to bring you perspectives other than my own, especially if they're very different, which I think having Lottie Joyner on the podcast last week demonstrated to me and to I'm sure to you as well that there's such a diverse range of voices and I want to bring them to you. And yet, you know, there are so many commonalities too, right? Before I get started today, I want to remind you of the different ways that you can support this podcast. People are always asking me, how can I support you? How can I support Orchid Story? This is how. Number one, you can sign up for my newsletter. Go to orchidstory.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and click sign me up. I send a weekly newsletter that usually correlates with the theme that I'm talking about on the podcast, but not always. It is usually quite different and I add or take out or change around ideas. So that is a great way to stay in touch. And that is how I hear from the most people in this community is by getting responses to those emails. That helps me develop content It allows me to build relationships with you. So go get signed up for my newsletter. Number two, leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. I would appreciate that so much and it helps other people find the podcast. And number three, subscribe to the podcast so you don't have to go to my website or see it on Instagram to be reminded. Just click subscribe so that every week the new episode will pop up and when you get in your car and... uh, you know, be on your way. You can just load the Orchid Story podcast to take with you. Today's episode was created based on an email that I received from one of the women in my community. She talked about how she is always the person to step up to the plate in times of crisis. She shows up You can count on her. She is the girl that is going to make things happen. And she ended the email with these words. I am a fighter, but who will fight for me? Can you relate to that sentiment of always being the one that everyone else counts on? And that you yourself count on. It's like part of your personality for you to feel in integrity is for you to be there, be accountable for yourself and 
help to serve the people that you love in your life. Today's podcast, and in fact, there'll be two more after today, are going to be specifically for you who are always showing up and doing what has to be done. I want you to consider these three questions. One, what is the cost of always stepping up to the plate? What is the toll that that takes on you? Two, where do you draw the line? Three, when do you take a step back off the plate? And four, how do you serve the people you love and also focus on your own needs? Last one, how do you set up your own life so that when you need it, you will have people that will fight for you? So remember my reader's question, who will fight for me? I'm going to try to address these questions that I just gave to you over a series of three podcasts and each of the podcasts will have their own concept for us to talk about, for me to teach you something and for us to explore. So again, this these three podcasts are for those people who are always the one to step up to the plate. I want us to consider what is the personal cost of doing that. And I want you to know where I'm coming from as I think about and respond to these questions. Many of the people that I listen to for self-help advice talk about habits and tools. And I really love them. I, I am totally in, all in with self-help. But I think the difference with me is that I have been forced, <laughs> I feel like I have been forced to relook and rearrange and reframe what has happened in my own life because I need I need to. I have felt the cost of I have felt the toll it has taken on me to be the one who has always stepped up to the plate. And so I've done a lot to rearrange my life and the day to day to allow me to step back from that role in certain areas. And so I think the difference with me compared to a lot of people that I love and I listen to is like, I am in the trenches of this. I am very often in crisis based on what is going on in my personal life, outside factors that are out of my control. And I want you to know that I'm in the weeds with you. I am using these tools myself and learning these concepts and then applying them in my own life, seeing what works and what doesn't, and then bringing them to you. I have had really significant challenges and that motivates me for Orchid Story. I will teach you about what I've learned and give an example of how I've applied it. And today especially, I'm going to be using an example of me being in a crisis situation where it's not just the day-to-day struggles that we all deal with. This was something out of uh, the norm, a health crisis in my mom. If you know the work that I do, you know that I am 
a caregiver for my mother who has advanced dementia, a very rare form of it. And so I want you to know the lens through which I am coming to you, okay? And today's concept is self-compassion. So I know we all want strategies. Okay, Rachel, I'm overwhelmed and overcome with all my responsibilities of being glued to the plate and always being the one to step up. I don't need self-compassion. Like I need strategies and tools to help me figure this out. And I hear you. And, and that is me too. I always say when I'm working with my students that I love the tangible. What I have learned is that self-development cannot happen without self-compassion. And so I think this is a really important point for us to start. And I hope that by the end of the podcast today, I will have convinced you that self-compassion is not optional. It's absolutely necessary. For most of the women that I know, this is critical and a skill we all could use some work on. So I'm going to paint you a picture of where you might be in your life right now. And one of these is where I am too. If none of these scenarios fit with you, that's okay. This is still for you. You just need to paint your own picture of what's happening in your life right now where you need this idea of self-compassion. Okay, so these scenarios that I want to paint, these pictures I want to paint for you, I have four of them. Okay, so the first one is where I feel I fall right now, and that is into the overextended caregiver. And for caregiving, I want, I know a lot of my listeners and readers identify with this because that's how you found me. Um, talking about the experience of caregiving for my mother. And I hear from a lot of women who have this role in their lives too. So we are trying to raise children, work our jobs, and and hopefully move up in our careers. And then we are also tasked with trying to provide some sense of quality of life for a parent usually in a situation that is really, really complicated and generally pulls us away from our nuclear family and our jobs. And those are just the critical things, right? Like um, our exercise routine, our self-care, feeding our families. And so that is number one, the overextended caregiver. Number two scenario of we're talking about who needs this idea of self-compassion. Number two is the no time for me mama. So many women fit into this category where you are so committed to your children and to the well-being of your kids and you want them to excel because you're a mama And that is important to you. And so you are running all the time, bringing the kids to their activities and doing all the things for the members of your family. 
So much so that when I say the word self-compassion or ask you about your self-care, it's just like, what? I don't even have time to think about something like that. I am running my kids around to baseball and football and soccer and basketball. And then I'm doing my work for the PTA and volunteering and being a room mom. And it all adds up. And these mamas feel like there is just no time. I don't even know how I would carve out time to think about self-compassion. Number three is the overcommitted professional. If you listen to my podcast from last week with Lottie Joyner, you heard her talk about how for the last decade or more in her life, she has been reaching and striving for more in her professional life. That woman is a member of so many different committees and has had all these amazing doors open for her. And on the flip side, what that means is that her own personal life, when she reflects upon it now, looks different than maybe she had hoped by this time in her life it would look. And so the overcommitted professional is wondering, what what can I do at this point to reimagine these decisions I've made in my life? Then the fourth scenario I want to paint for you today is my story was not supposed to go this way. (laughs) That one's kind of a mouthful, but the woman who feels my story was not supposed to go this way. So often I work with women who are grappling with a diagnosis of a chronic health condition. I'm just trying to live my life and now I have to figure out how am I going to completely uproot and change my diet and not only that but then how am I going to continue to provide the meals and planning that I need to do for the rest of my family that now looks completely different than what I need for myself. How am I going to fit in appointments with all these specialists on top of everything else that's being asked of me in my life? Where am I going to turn to for work help? Am I going to need to take a leave of absence? Do I have enough sick time? There's so much that goes into a woman's head and psyche when a diagnosis comes up. Maybe you have experienced a breakup or a divorce And the trajectory of your life just took a hard turn to the left. And you are left wondering to yourself, what happened here? And who am I now? And my story was not supposed to go this way. And how do I even know which way is up and how to move forward? So those are some examples of the my story was not supposed to go this way woman. And all of these four scenarios I just painted are women who may be you and maybe not. Again, if you have your own story that doesn't fit, you need to be creative and think about what it is right now. These are all examples of women that I've worked with 
that really I want you to think about fostering self-compassion for, for yourself. So I hope that you can see yourself and your story in one of these descriptions. And I want you to know that I'm not trying to put you in a box. I am not trying to shame you at all about what's happened in your life and where your story has taken you. I do think that painting a picture and giving details is really helpful because when we talk about things in broad strokes, it just feels less relevant. So I love to give examples from my own life because I think it just helps you see things more clearly. And it's interesting, but being specific and detailed actually allows us to more generally apply it. That's what I found. So right now, as I mentioned, I relate most to the overextended caregiver. So I'm going to use my own story today as an example for us. You used your own story. And if we want to change these stories, if we want a new ending to these stories, we have to develop self-compassion. And again, we're not looking outside of ourselves. We're going within here for this development of self-compassion. If we want to grow as a person, we have to have compassion for ourselves. And my teacher and the person that I've learned the most from about self-compassion is Tara Brock. She's a meditation teacher, very well known and beloved in her own community. And I'm going to outline her RAIN practice here. It's an acronym that we'll walk through together. She has a new book out called Radical Compassion. I actually just downloaded it. It was Uh, just really great timing that I'm thinking about self-compassion and was reminded by uh, one of my friends that this new book has come out. So if you want to go deeper on this topic, check out Tara Brock's Radical Compassion book. Um, All of her work is amazing. She has a lot of free resources on her website, including podcast type talks and meditations. Go check out her work. She is an amazing teacher. It's been around for a long time and is really, really well respected. So let's walk through this RAIN acronym together using a recent event in my own life to illustrate how I specifically worked through each of these steps. And I'll tell you as we go some things I did well and then where I struggled and hope to grow from in the future. So RAIN, R-A-I-N, We'll start with R. Recognize what's going on. Okay, so that's the first step, recognize. So you're looking for signs of being stuck in unworthiness. Is your inner critic telling you I'm not good enough? Are you feeling shame? Are you feeling really scared and fear is just taking over? Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you have that fluttering in your chest that's your sign of anxiety Or maybe you're feeling depressed and in that state actually feeling numb. So my example of this happened very recently in the last month. My mom was actually in the hospital. I had been with her for the entire day and it was the evening time. The day had started with an emergency phone call in the wee hours of the morning which woke me up. And I had been by her side without leaving other than bathroom and trying to get a few gulps of air outside. Um, It had been over 12 hours. 
and it was a pretty acute problem. She had been taken by ambulance and had been admitted to the hospital. And in this moment, at this during this evening, she was having a procedure done right there in the hospital room. And it was a really uncomfortable setting. So there was a doctor, a nurse, and me. I was there to hold her hand and be a calming force uh, as she underwent this procedure. I was not calm, but I was able to outwardly stay calm. My mom was uncomfortable. She was in pain. And we had also given her some medication to help her calm down. So there was an interplay of that going on as well. So maybe you can picture this scene in your head. I held my mom's hand and got through the procedure. It only took a couple of minutes, but felt like it took forever. And afterwards, as I just started trying to collect myself, these were my thoughts. I can't do this anymore. Why does this never end? How much can one person bear? I hate this disease. I just want my life back. It's too much. So it's very clear all of these thoughts were coming from a place of fear. And I am pretty good at recognizing the R, recognizing my thoughts. Um, I have practiced for a long time trying to do this, and I can usually catch myself pretty quickly and notice where my thoughts are. And so I, right away after the acute part of this procedure was over and the doctor was out of the room, I noticed that I was having these really, really negative thoughts that I, to be totally honest with you, have a lot of the time when I'm in these sort of situations. And again, this was more of a crisis situation. This was not an everyday sort of happening. And I think it's important for me to talk through it in this way because so many of you that I talk to are in these similar situations. So that's why I'm using this one as the example. So that's R, recognizing. A is allowing. So taking a life-giving pause is uh, what Tara Brock says. And we allow pausing with the intention to relax our resistance and let the experience just be. So just saying that out loud makes me feel like taking a deep breath. So if it feels good to you, just take a deep breath right now. (sighs) Allowing. Giving pause. For me, the idea of allowing, it's really important that I don't beat myself up or tell myself that I'm a terrible person for feeling this way. And again, I think this is something I've worked on a lot and I think I'm getting pretty good at it. So as I'm recognizing I'm having these thoughts of I hate this disease and I just want my life back, Rach, you're doing it. It's okay. It's okay to have these thoughts. That's kind of my way of giving myself the pause. So in reflecting back on that night, I remember that I spoke with the doctor when he was done. I remember my sister and I hugged. 
And I remember just kind of slumping down into a chair in the room. And for me, and, and this is often the case, the really hard part when I'm with my mom is that she doesn't stop talking and she makes a lot of requests. And so if I want to pause, a pause is a quiet. A pause is a breath. And that is super challenging if someone is making demands on you. And so what I have to do sometimes in in a, a circumstance like this is actually physically change my scenery and leave. And sometimes, I mean, I would never leave her if she wasn't safe, but in this example, what really happened, she was in the hospital with nursing staff. So it was totally safe for me to leave. But that's what I remember about allowing from this particular example was that I recognized the thoughts I was having and I allowed myself to have them and did not beat myself up about it. Okay, so moving on to I. I is investigate with gentle attention. So this is about getting curious and asking yourself, just gently asking yourself to notice things. So you can ask yourself, how am I experiencing this in my body? What is my body feeling right now? Um, And then from there, we can think about grounding ourselves. But first, we have to notice what is happening in our bodies. And also, what am I believing about this situation? So when I ask myself, how am I experiencing this in my body? I wanted something to calm me down out of that really frantic, adrenaline rushing, scared energy. I wanted to shift out of it and get rid of it as quick as I could. And this is something that I continue to work on. And this particular example, I did not do a a good job of it. So I'll tell you what I did. I knew that my body wanted to feel good, stop feeling bad and feel good. And my sister had a bag of cinnamon gummy hearts. It's almost Valentine's Day. And I remember just grabbing it and eating some right away. Like after I did recognize my thoughts and allow myself not to beat myself up about it, then I went to thinking, okay, I got to get rid of all of this crazy energy coming through my body. And so I'm going to eat some sugar to help myself numb it. So that is a place for me that I continue to work on. How can I calm my nervous system when I'm triggered without sugar or without grabbing my phone and scrolling through Instagram without distracting myself? Like how can I get better about sitting with that energy and letting it pass through me? So this step is all about, again, getting curious with yourself and this is an area that I am trying to work on. I think in general, um, smaller triggers in general life, like if I get a text that ruffles my feathers, or if I get a phone call from a care, you know, from a an aide who cares for my mom about her refusing to take her medication, something like that, a smaller trigger, I'm much better at just feeling, recognizing the feelings, allowing them investigating them without diving to a distraction or a numbing, 
But I know that for me in a crisis that I have, this is a place where I struggle. So just to share that with you, that it's all, we are all works in progress. So finally, the last letter in RAIN is N, and N is for nurture. So show yourself some love. And, you know, we could argue that me eating sugar is not showing myself some love, but I'm not going to beat myself up here about that. I know it's something that I need to work on. And I actually did some other things to show myself some nurturing love here. So I want to walk you through what I did. I eventually, after this whole thing started to calm down, went to get tea. So as I said before, I sometimes feel the need to remove myself physically from wherever the event is happening. And I think it's a really healthy thing for all of us to think about. How can you change your scenery? That evening, I went down to the cafeteria and I got myself some tea. And that alone was a really good choice for me because normally I would choose in a state of distress coffee or diet soda, but I chose hot tea and it was herbal tea and it felt so good just to hold a warm, hot cup in my hand. Like just that sensation helped me to start getting um, back in my own body and calming myself down and the scent of the chamomile really helped too. So using our senses to kind of come back down. And then at the register, when I checked out, the woman that checked me out asked if I had a loved one who was in the hospital. And I shared that my mom was there and she looked me straight in the eye and just said, you know, I really hope your mom is gets better soon. And remembering that there are connections to other people in the world and sort of just like expanding that view instead of being so narrowly focused in what is happening in that hospital room, that was huge for me and very nurturing. Then a few hours later, my sister and I had to make the decision about whether one of us was going to spend the night in the hospital room with our mother. And the head nurse, the charge nurse, had had asked us to spend the night he said, I feel it would be best if one of you would spend the night with your mother. She has been through a lot today and it would really be helpful for her and for the nursing staff. Because we were really, you know, we do a lot to help the nursing staff in these sort of situations to orient them to what's best for my mom. And it became really clear to me as the nurse was asking this of us, that what I needed for that night was to leave. So you can imagine, like, <laughs> any people pleasers out there, this will get you right in the gut. Because what he was asking of me, I knew what I needed was the opposite. And by choosing the opposite, not only would I disappoint my mom immensely, but I would also disappoint this nurse who was in charge and all of the nursing staff under him. So that's a whole heck of a lot of disappointment to shoulder. However, I had 
like I mentioned, been there for at this point, I think it was 17 hours or something like that. I had, I needed to see my kids. I wanted to see my kids and I wanted to see my husband and I wanted to sleep because guess what? This doesn't just end the next morning and life goes back to normal. No, this is still an uphill climb and introducing something like this to my mom who has this condition, it it's a huge wrench in the plan. It's a huge setback that affects her much differently than it would affect a normal person who does not have an underlying health condition. So in the end, I chose to leave. I chose to listen to what I needed for myself. And in my own way of nurturing myself. Again, remember N is nurture. I left. I went home and I spent the night in my own bed at home. It was incredibly hard to walk out that door. Oh my gosh, it was so hard, but I did it. And reflecting back now, I'm so glad I did. Um, And it was a true true moment of self-compassion that I listened to myself and followed through with that. And so I'm really proud of that decision that I made. So again, this is the RAIN method. Recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. I hope that this idea of self-compassion is making sense to you as we are considering the price that we pay of always being the one to step up to the plate. And, you know, today's conversation has been about this idea of self-compassion. It sort of like falls under mindfulness. The next couple of episodes will be more about strategy and certain actions that we can take. But again, I think at the heart of taking care of ourselves is self-compassion. And I see it missing in so many of us. And as you heard from me today... I am still a work in progress on this too. If you listen to this episode today and you're realizing, wow, I could really use some self-compassion and I don't even know how to get started, check out orchidstory.com slash coaching to find out more about my one-on-one work with people. Self-compassion is an integral part of all of the programming I create. So we always touch on in some way, shape, or form self-compassion. So I invite you to go check that out. I'm currently accepting a limited number of new clients and we will be back in the next couple of weeks to keep talking about this idea of what is the toll of always being the one to step up to the plate. Take care. See you next week. I want to ask you, who in your life needs to hear this story today? Go ahead and share it with them. And if you love this show, leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. Head over to orchidstory.com if you want more from Orchid Story. And remember, your story is your strength.